I want to mention for those who are visiting with us this morning, um, I started this lesson a couple of weeks ago, and the title of it was Be Strong in the Lord, and there was a part one to this which was subtitled Understanding the Battle. It's based all of this is based upon Ephesians the sixth chapter. But in that first lesson we covered these five points, and it was remember who you are. One of the things that I emphasized at that time was as a child of God, you've got to remember who you are and that you are an enemy of Satan. And the day that you became a child of God does not mean that that's the day he gave up on you. That's the day that he's going to try even harder to get you back. And so point number two was the wind of resistance blows hard. The more you try to make progress as a Christian, the more he is going to come against you. And then remember thirdly that the battle is spiritual. What Satan wants to do is to get you and I fighting against one another. And then we get forget about fighting against him. And so we have to keep in mind this is a spiritual battle. And the way you fight spiritual battles is with spiritual weapons, not with carnal weapons. Point number three, evil days come. And one of the points we made from that was the Christian life is not just one constant plane, but there are ups and downs. There are times when difficulties come, and it's very challenging. And Satan is doing everything he can, and he's bringing everything he can against you to try to destroy you. And so at that point, we want to keep in mind, which is number five, the command is to stand. And sometimes when we are facing the most difficult challenges, that's not the time when we're going to be out converting the world. At that moment in time, it may take all that you have just to stand. And that's the command that is given there. So that first part of that lesson was entitled, Understand the Battle. Now in the part number two, what we're going to talk about this morning is how to stand in that battle. And that's what we'll be picking up with about verse 13 and 14 as we work on down through Ephesians 6 and verses 13 through 18. Now, do not pass out. There are six points there. (laughs) And people are probably like, we will be here for two days. No. (laughs) Point number one will be a little longer, but I'm going to try my very best to make the remaining five shorter so we'll still get out of here in a reasonable amount of time. But what we're going to notice is when you are in the midst of that battle, stand in the truth. Secondly, stand in righteousness. Stand in the gospel, stand in faith. And, well, there's a distinction that is made there. Stand in hope, and then stand in the word of God. And those points are all taken from Ephesians, the sixth chapter, about verses 13 through 18. And so, our first point then, stand in the truth. And I want to read to you from Ephesians 6, verse 13, and into the first part of verse 14. So Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. I want to make a point right there as you uh, notice that very first verse. In the New King James Version, it says withstand, and then it says stand. And there's a distinction because that withstanding we we recognize sometimes all those attacks are coming against us. And we have to be able 
to withstand that. And then having done all to stand, to maintain your position, so to speak. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Now, before we take a look at that particular point and talking about standing in the truth, I want to make this point. How many times have you sat in class, or some of you teachers, especially you, you ladies, and taught young kids, and you talk about the armor of God, right? And so you have this soldier up there, and it's like maybe a Roman soldier, and you talk about this sword, and you talk about this helmet, and you talk about the shoes or shodding your feet, and you talk about the shield, and it's kind of all about this image of this soldier, right? I'm not going to talk about that today. <laughs> because sometimes what we do is we get kind of caught up in the illustration. And for preachers, having a good illustration, well, that's awesome. <laughs> and Paul has a really good illustration here. But what we under, want to understand is, What's the point of the illustration? Those six points that I just ran down through, those are the points that are contained here in this illustration. That's where those came from. And so in the very first one, he says, gird your waist with truth. And sometimes we talk about that belt. Well, as you take a look at that, and Paul says, gird your waist with truth, I want to make this point initially. When he says to gird your weight with truth, he is not talking about the Bible. And some people may go, ah, what? <laughs> is the Bible included there? Well, yes. Is God's truth included there? Yes. But that's not specifically the point that he's making here initially. And the reason why I know that is this. Because by the time you get down to verse 17, he's going to tell you to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's when he's going to talk about that. Here initially he says... I want you to gird your waist with truth. So what's he talking about? What he's talking about is in the heat of this battle, when things are going on, what I want you to do first is to be honest. I want you to think about the truth. What's the truth about you? What's the truth about this battle? What's the truth about those who are coming against you? What's the truth of the circumstances of this whole conflict here? I want you to be honest about this and evaluate what is going on here. Psalms, the 51st chapter, is a psalm of David, and this is after the occasion when he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And so Nathan comes to him 
And David listens to the story. And David is incensed by what this person has done. And then what does Nathan say to him? He says, you're the man. And David comes to realize, well, that's that's me he's talking about. And so in Psalms 51 and verse 6, he makes a very interesting comment observation. He says, God desires truth in the inward parts. You know what that means? Very first thing, you're involved in a spiritual battle, and God's saying, I want you to be honest. And sometimes that's a real challenge. But that's in our best interest. And so we have to stop, and we have to ask ourselves, what's the truth? What's the truth about this situation? What is this struggle that I'm facing? Is it coming from within? Or is it coming from without? What's the circumstances of what is taking place here? And what's the pressure you feel? Now I want to pause for just a moment and kind of think about that. In any spiritual battle, what is Satan's goal? He wants to destroy you and anybody else that he can take down with you. And so sometimes we may get caught up in a situation and we may be ashamed. We might be ashamed. You think about David. And you think about Psalms 51. And David tried to cover that whole thing, didn't he? But eventually, the truth comes out. And God is willing to forgive him. is willing to restore him. That's the bigger picture. And that's what we've got to keep in mind. And so sometimes if Satan can just hold you right there in that guilt without ever seeking forgiveness, then guess what? He's got you. And he's happy with that. David goes on in that same Psalms and he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Cleanse me and I will be cleansed. Can you see that? God has made it possible for us to have forgiveness. No matter what it is. But Satan doesn't want you to ever seek it. Because as long as you don't, then he's got you. There may be other pressures that you feel in those situations. Sometimes we may have to ask ourselves, what is the sin that I'm being tempted with? 
and then be honest about it. And you know what else? I told you this first point would be a little longer. <laughs> but I think it's essential so that we understand the rest and how it fits in. Sometimes we've got to ask ourselves, what's, what's really obvious about this situation that is going on? What do I know for a fact? What do I know for a fact about me? What do I know for a fact about others that are involved? What do I know that are the facts of this situation? Because we as human beings, you know what we have a tendency to do? We want to make assumptions. Oh, I know why you did that. <laughs> and then we make judgments about that. Don't we? And that may not be the truth. And so you jump before you ever know the facts. And so sometimes it's important for us to stop and to analyze, think about self, think about others, think about circumstances, and think about what's going on. And in some of that, sometimes we may not be ready to face the facts. Oh, I don't have a problem with drinking. Oh, I don't have a problem with drugs. I don't have a problem with pornography. I don't have a problem with lust. I don't have a problem with gossip. I don't have a problem with pride. And then sometimes that has to be brought to our attention. No, this, this is the problem. And if you're ever going to get free from it, you got to face it. Sometimes we have to face the truth about others. No, this is what they did. Oh, I don't want to believe that about them. They would never do that. No, that is what they did. And to help them, you got to face the facts. And the circumstance, whatever it is, what do you know for certain? What do you know are the facts? And what are you assuming? And you have to make the distinction. The book of Psalms, the life of David, we're getting ready to study. First and second Samuel illustrates a lot of what I'm talking about right here if we're going to stand in this battle the very first place you've got to begin is truth establish what is true I want you to know so I'm going to skip down to verse 18 he says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You know what I'm saying? Here's the armor of God. This is how you stand. And as you put on each piece of this armor, you put it on with prayer. 
because you may need help even putting this armor on. But this is God's armor that he's giving you. And this is what is going to enable you to stand. That's why I say also, and I mentioned this in class this morning, sometimes we may need help from others. That's why God has given us each other. To just be able to stand in the battle. And that's why I said in Galatians the 6th chapter and verses 1 and 2, you who are spiritual, if any man is overtaken in his sin, you who are spiritual, you restore such a one in a manner of meekness and gentleness, looking to yourself, lest you also be tempted. They may need your help just to see their self, someone else, the situation. And it's critical. And you can help them out of it or you can drive them away. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah the third chapter and verse 15, and I won't go into a lot of detail about Jeremiah, but you know in the book of Jeremiah where Israel is, Judah is at that time, they're about to be overrun by the Babylonians. The reason is because of their sin. And God is looking forward and through the prophet Jeremiah, he says, I will give you shepherds. And he's talking about in the future. I will give you shepherds after my own heart. And they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. You know what that means? (laughs) They'll help you to overcome this sin. Sin is what got you here. And these shepherds after my own heart. They'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. They will help you to gain strength. And they will help you to understand my purpose. What's the Lord's purpose? Is it to destroy you? The cross stands there as testimony. His purpose is to save you. And sometimes when we are caught up in sin... We don't even have the strength to face it. And we need help. And it's truth about sin and what it can do to you. But it's truth about what God desires for you. Truth may seem hard at times. But when we're able to see it from God's perspective... It becomes nourishing. It becomes strengthening. It becomes encouraging. And then we can face that spiritual battle. Establish the truth. That's why James says in James chapter 1 and verse 19, for all of us, be swift to hear and slow to speak establish the truth that's where it begins number two stand therefore in righteousness Ephesians 6 chapter now second part of verse 14 having put on the breastplate of righteousness now I also want to mention whenever we think about righteousness there is an initial righteousness that we have through Jesus Christ by faith 
but there's also a righteousness that we have as we seek to go about doing God's will, applying that in our lives day by day. Over First John, the second chapter, about verse 29, John says, If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. So he's talking about that daily walk that we have in applying God's Word to our lives. We practice righteousness. We oftentimes think about that, we talk about it, and we do that day by day. Is that what we say? (laughs) But you know what? Sometimes it's moment by moment that it has to be applied. But what he is suggesting is that we determine what is right And then you commit yourself to it. No matter the circumstance or what the outcome might be. John the 8th chapter and about verse 29. Jesus always did those things which were pleasing to the Father. That was righteous. Moment by moment, when he was in the garden, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. But there was no other way. And when he left that garden, he had determined what he was going to do. It's the breastplate of righteousness. What is true? And then what do I do? It's the girding up your waist. And then it's taking up this shield. Because that's what will protect you. The breastplate of righteousness. You have to know the truth before you can determine exactly what you're supposed to do. Let me give you another quick illustration. There are some of us who have raised teenagers. There are some of you before long will be raising teenagers. And there will come times, and then the rest of us, we've all been teenagers, right? (laughs) There may come time, for instance, when you say, okay, tonight I want you home by midnight. I want you in this house by midnight. And so midnight comes and they're not home. And so you decide to get up and walk the floor a little bit. And then it's uh, 12.15 and they're not there. And then it's 12.30. And then you're sitting at the kitchen table. (laughs) And you're waiting for that door to open. Then finally about 1 o'clock that door opens. And when it opens, what do you do? First thing you have to do is establish what's true. Why are you late? Is there a reason why you're late? And then based upon what you come to know that is truth, then you know how to respond. Don't just assume. Establish truth, and then you act on that. And that's what Paul's saying. Very first thing. You want to know what's true about this circumstance. 
And then based upon that, you take up the breastplate of righteousness. Then you determine to do what is right, no matter the circumstances, and that's what you do. Thirdly, then you stand in the gospel. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Notice there, Paul doesn't say just the gospel. He says the gospel of peace. And the good news is that we have peace with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now what we need to come to understand whenever we think about that peace is sometimes we think, oh, well, if I've got peace with God, then I have no turmoil in my life. (laughs) Is that what he's saying? (laughs) What he is saying is that you can have confidence in the midst of turmoil. That's what he's talking about. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace so that wherever you go, Wherever the circumstances may take you, where the truth may come out, where you determine to walk, you have peace with God. So it's peace in the midst of turmoil. So when the battle is raging, we stand in the gospel of peace. I had mentioned Estuardo just before we started worship this morning. I should have called him yesterday. I said, "Hey, we're going to talk about being strong and long. We're talk, being strong in the Lord, and we're going to talk about battles and so forth." And what was the very first song that he led? The battle belongs to who? The battle belongs to the Lord. We just studied the book of Joshua, and Joshua says, "The Lord will." Fight for you. Keep that in mind. Whatever you're facing, whatever the circumstances might be, the Lord will fight for you. And the battle belongs to the Lord. You know why Israel oftentimes failed? It's because they didn't believe that the Lord would help them to defeat their enemies. And so when they came initially to the border of the promised land, there are giants in there and we can't defeat them. So they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness so that God could establish faith in them. (laughs) And that's what we need to know also. In the midst of whatever we are facing, The Lord says, I'll fight for you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Can you say in that moment, it is well. It is well with my soul. Can you say that? Because that's what we ought to be able to say. Stand in truth. Stand in righteousness. And stand in the peace of the gospel. Fourthly, stand in faith. Ephesians 6 and verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith 
with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Hebrews 11, chapter and verse 6. For without faith it is impossible to please him, for those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we go, well, we've got to have faith, right? Read the rest of Hebrews 11. They face some big challenges. There were some that were stoned. There were some that were severely persecuted. There were some that were sawn in two. And he begins this chapter by saying, without faith it is impossible to please him, and those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When? When things are going good? In any circumstance. And I want you to believe this. And this is what will help you to stand. That when you are facing these situations, that you won't be moved away from Him. 2 Corinthians 5, we oftentimes quote in verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. And the problem that we have is we want to walk by sight and not by faith. Isn't that sometimes the situation? And we get that backwards. So what he's saying is we stand in spite of the circumstances. And through that, we'll be able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. Now, I want to mention another passage and think about this. Romans, the fourth chapter, is talking about verses 19 through 20, 21, talking about Abraham and his faith. And he's held up as an example. But in Romans, the fourth chapter, at about verses 19, it says, not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body as good as dead, being almost a hundred years old. Nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, what's that, what's that say? Here's a guy It's a hundred years old. He's got a wife, just a little bit younger than him. And from his perspective, we ain't having no kids. But it says in the next verse, he did not waver. He did not stagger in unbelief. God said it. I believe it. That's the way it's going to be. And that's the way it was. And that's what he's saying to us. If God says, I'll fight for you, he will fight for you. If the battle belongs to the Lord, the battle belongs to the Lord. But you know what Larry oftentimes does? I'm going to go fix it. And then I just end up getting in the way. And he's telling me, I want you to establish the truth. I want you to take up the shield of righteousness. I want you to walk in the gospel of peace. And I want you to stand in faith. Take up 
that shield. God is with you. God is for you. God wants you saved. He wants others saved. But in order to win this battle, you're going to win it spiritually by doing it His way. But you know what Satan does? He's whispering in your ear. You can't win this. There ain't no way you can win this. You can't do this. God doesn't really love you. You can't trust God in these situations. And so he gets us to turn away. Remember Adam and Eve? Satan got them to not trust Eve first in God. And then ultimately, you know what happened next? They turned on each other. And it's been pretty much that way ever since. And Satan right now is having a heyday in the United States of America as he's trying to get us to fight against each other. Take up the shield of faith. God fights for you. He fights with you and for everyone and that he is greater than he that is in the world. And that's what he wants us to keep in mind. Fifthly, stand in hope. Ephesians 6, chapter verse 17 now. Take the helmet of salvation. Whenever Paul talks about taking the helmet of salvation, he's talking about that future hope that we have. Salvation is often talked about in three different ways in the scriptures. It's talking about salvation in the past. It talks about salvation present. And it talks about salvation future. And that's what Paul's making reference to here. Take up the helmet of salvation as you think about the hope that we have laid up for us. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, in verse 3, it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What's the Hebrew writer saying? This follows Hebrews chapter 11. Remember that? When they went through all those difficulties. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Think about Jesus. Think about what he went through. But in verse 2, this is what he says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him. Go to the cross, and you'll have a crown. And he says, now he has sat down at the right hand of God. That's essentially the same thing the Apostle Paul says as he pens the very last letter that he ever wrote, 2 Timothy in chapter 4. And he's considering the fact that his death is soon imminent. He is being poured out like a drink offering. He knows that he is going to die. And he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not for me only, but for all those who have loved his fear. And so that's what Paul's saying. I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. Why? Because I know there's a crown of righteousness that is waving me. 
And that's what the Hebrew writer was saying about Jesus. Psalms 108 chapter, 118 chapter, verse 14. The psalmist says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. One day, Christians will sing that with the psalmist. He is my song. He is my salvation. And then sixthly, now it stands in the word of God. Ephesians 6, verse 17. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, oftentimes whenever we think about sword, and it's been illustrated this way before, we think about that as a weapon to be used like offensively. And, and there's, there's truth to that, certainly. Or defensively to protect, to protect ourselves. And we think about the attacks of false teachers and we think about the attack of false doctrine and how that can destroy Christianity, can destroy our faith. And so we think about the Word of God and how we can use that to defend the truth and how we can attack that which is false. I also want you to think of it in this way. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 about verse 11. We think about Jesus when he was led away by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. And how with each temptation, Jesus always answered how it is written. And he defended himself and he defeated Satan because he had the word of God. But the word of God was in him. And it was used by him. And so this is what I want us to think about. We need that word in us to strengthen us, to work through us, to defend us, protect us, and defeat him. So the question is, how do we get it? Well, I want to suggest like this another illustration. And I mentioned once again, we have several people who are involved in the medical profession in our group here. And there are people who end up in the hospital and they end up, I don't know a whole lot about this, so I just kind of, if I'm wrong, somebody correct me. They end up on an IV. I've visited the hospital lots of times. I've gone to see loved ones, relatives, friends, and so forth. And they'll have that IV. And you look up there, and it's this drip, 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 right? And sometimes that's for infection, to protect. Sometimes that's for nourishment. Is that right? I got it right so far. <laughs> and it's the slow drip process. So here's my point. How do you get this in here and in here? 
Well, it's been said before. The Bible can be like a watermelon. <laughs> and it's a little too big to just put, pick up and put it in your mouth all at once. So you have to kind of cut it up and take it piece by piece. And so that's what we need to do as Christians. Do it daily as we read. Do it as we come together in midweek. Do it as we come together upon the first day of the week. But little by little. Getting a little stronger. Coming to know a little more. And being able to defend and then to defeat the enemy. So how do we stand? We face the truth. We want to know what is the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. And then do what is right. And then rest in the peace of the gospel. Exercise our faith along with other Christians. Look to the joy of further deli- uh, future deliverance. And fight those battles within and without by the Spirit through the Word of God. That's what Paul said. I'm going to conclude with this. Ephesians chapter 6 and backing up to verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But I want to emphasize what he states in verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The battle belongs to the Lord. He will fight for you. He will fight with you as He gives us this armor so that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But you have to understand that that strength comes from the Lord. That armor comes from the Lord. And it is through His Spirit. And how do we receive His Spirit? Paul answers that over Galatians, the third chapter. How did you receive the Spirit? Was it by the works of the law? Or by hearing with faith. And what's the point? The way that you came to have the Spirit of God is by hearing with faith. This is what God's Word is telling that He will do for you and for me. And that's where the strength comes from. The battle belongs to the Lord. These are spiritual battles. He knows how we can win these battles. He wants us to stand with Him. Do you notice what he didn't say in this context? Well, whenever you get in the midst of a spiritual battle, when things are really looking bleak, and you're starting to think there's no way that I can withstand this, there's no way that I can win this battle, he did not say, well, suck it up. You just got to try a little harder. Somebody says. He's saying this battle belongs to the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might.
He will fight for you and with you. God wants you to win. He has already inflicted a mortal blow on our enemy, Satan, from which he will never recover. What he just wants us to do is to stand with him. The battle is his. He wins it for us. He just wants us to stay with him. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never rendered obedience unto the gospel of Jesus Christ, we would encourage you to do that this very day. If you're a child of God, you need to make your life right with him in any way. We want to help you do that. While together we stand and while we sing.